podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter-attack. Here's Didier Drogba. And now Kedir in the middle. Drogba goes. Welcome to Chelsea Hour. My name is Miz. I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined by, well, with two very special guests. Um, you know, the regulars. Dan Soft, what are you saying, bro? I'm good, bro, man. I'm admiring your hair, man. It's great, bro. I see it. It's mad, isn't it? It's actually mad. <laughs> what are you saying? What are you saying, Jay? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm all good, brother. All good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could tell he's relieved. But they see the relief of, on, a, on a man's face when they, they recognise they no longer have to watch and see Marcos Alonso fling up some lazy crosses and passes. I get it. I get it. As you can see, I'm, I'm not in full kit wanker mode today. Um, Jay as well. I think only, only Mr. Soft didn't really get the memo. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. We, we moved, though. We moved, though. Um, well... It's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one. We've got quite a few things to get through, but first things first, uh, I probably want to say I'm in full kit wanker mode simply because um, I no longer have to watch Kepper in goal anymore. And Chelsea have finally announced the signing of Edouard Mindy. Um, and we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, first, we want to get through the games. Well, yesterday we played Barnsley in the Carabao Cup. Um, what did you guys think of the performance? I'll, I'll I'll share my views a little bit later on. But what did you guys think? If you managed to catch it, um, what did you think of the game? Jay, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can touch on it first. Um, so I did manage to get the whole game, luckily enough. And um, to be honest, the first half, 
Barnsley were, were I, I think they gave a good account of themselves. Like, they were a little bit, like, I feel like they were up for the game. Obviously, it being at Stamford Bridge, even though there's no fans, obviously it's a big occasion for them trying to get one over on a, on a, on a big team, obviously, mm. early on in the, in the season. Um, yeah, they started very well. Um, Thiago, obviously, it being his first game um, since the Champions League final, um, I think he had like one little blunder to begin with. Just but one small, small yeah, misplaced pass where he just yeah. threw it off his foot. And <laughs> I was thinking, okay, I've ne- I didn't panic, but I was like, oh, oh wait, Thiago, please, please don't embarrass me in front of my friends and family. Exactly. I was like, please don't, just don't, no more. Yeah, then. but in, but uh, I think throughout the game, as, as the game went on, obviously they looked more comfortable. And then Barnsley was still pushing, trying to get, you know, obviously trying to get a goal in that. But I think. Generally, we were we were quite in control of the game. I think the quality you just told like was a big thing in that game to me. Yeah, I think it was a very open game. That's the one yeah. thing I noticed quite early on. It was a very open game, and Dan Soft we were talking throughout the game really and truly. Um, the double pivot with Ross Barkley and Kovacic. Barnsley yeah. gave it uh, quite a few problems. What what did you think of the setup and? No, what, what did you think of not necessarily Barkley because I know you're a Barkley stan. So don't put that on me. We're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna just say okay Barkley okay. No, no, no. I wanted to kind of get your your feelings yeah, yeah. and thoughts about the midfield composition. I want, I want I want you to scratch that from the record. I ain't scratching that because what happens me. is you, how you lead me in as a Barkley stan. So now no matter what I say about Barkley, we <laughs> get that. Get that. We know um, the vibes though. Bro. <laughs> no, we don't. Listen. Now, when the when the lineup came up with Lampard, it's always for me it's exciting because there's always something new. There's always something when the lineup comes up, it's like, okay, let's see how that plays out. So as just like an analyst or whatever, I'm always and so like this game it was Barnsley and Kovacic as a pivot. Now I that I've got like um what do they call it again? Theories or whatever. Um and I kind of think that because Lampard is helping on bringing Rice in, he said, fuck it. Let me put two attacking players in a pivot just to show the board, yo, we need, we need a rice type of player because hey, listen. you, you like, I get it's Barnsley, but you wouldn't automatically, if you're going for balance, put Barkley and Kovacic as well. Listen, I'm just going to say one thing, yeah? Pels accuses me of being a conspiracy theorist. This is what I'm saying. I you, am. Now you. I'm yeah. the flag bearer. I'm I was like, going to say, you, when it comes to conspiracy ooh. theories... Every, you go deep, my brother. I so you are telling me. So you are telling me. You're telling me that Frank Lampard potentially almost not necessarily froze the game because he he recognizes that there's quality there. He yeah. recognizes that we've probably got enough quality to to power through it. Yeah. But you reckon that he purposely played two offensive-minded midfielders in to triple. showcase to the board that look, we need Declan Rice or yeah. Okay. So, Potentially, it's not far fetched. It's, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not far fetched. Simply yeah. because Frank Lampard comes from, quite clearly comes from the school of Jose Mourinho when it comes to yeah. getting his own manipulating his own. own as I could get it. I get it. It's yeah. possible. And so I can't, I'm not I can't saying say before because let's just let's just get this right because Mises already led me in as a Barclay stand, and then and now I'm being labelled as a conspiracy theorist. So like you're probably not going to take anything I say seriously. Hey, but, what I'm saying is potentially, potentially that could have been it because when I saw it, I was thinking, okay, this is interesting. But again, this is Barnsley. Now, here's the thing. I think it was in 2017 or whatever, Barnsley played Man United in the FA Cup. 
and, it, and they knocked United out. So even though it was there was Barnsley, there's still like a potential banana skin. But I feel like there was just so much in the tack. I thought the idea was, and Lampard kind of um, alluded to it at the end of the game. It's almost like a training match. As, as I think he just put enough quality in field saying you're better and just kind of overdo him. But yeah, as a, as a double pivot, you come away from that game thinking, I never want to see that again, especially in big matches. And I'm not surprised because Barkley, to be fair, and this is just to show that I can be objective and I, I'm not a stand that is crazy, but Barkley, to be fair, um, he doesn't have the urgency. So like early on, there was a block that Aspi made mm. and he had to make it. And Barkley was actually closer. Yeah, but yeah. Aspi had to... Do get his like fireman suit yeah. on and run into the fire and make the block because he just doesn't get the sp- like Barkley doesn't necessarily get the spidey sense. You know what? That. Yeah, I genuinely feel like sometimes I think Barkley does get it, and I, I, not all the time, but I think he gets it more often than not. Um, yeah. I just feel like Barkley generally that game. I don't want to say that he felt it was a bit of a a, a damp squid. It's a bit of a, a little bit of a a nothing game mm. but I just felt like in terms in the defensive phase casual. he was so unbothered casual he was so so unbothered like he was strolling casual, back he wasn't yeah. like he wasn't no there was no minimal but, effort in the defensive phase but me, um, me, me. sometimes I've seen that in Premier League games too from Barkley okay. yeah but it's, it's not it's not consistent so sometimes you'll see urgency but other times you'll see like casualness so like yeah. this is why I don't think Barkley the double pivot especially alongside Kovacic, who's going to be flying forward, works. And then that's probably why people might think, oh, a rice will work. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, back, I'm not backing I'm that. I'm not backing that either. But it seems we'll, like it's coming anyway. We, we, will, but, we, will, we will let Jay fight that corner because, you know, yeah. he's been yeah. um, a, quiet, yeah. a quiet rice stand for the last couple of months. Um, so, Jay, seeing that double pivot, um, yeah. seeing uh, how we were really and truly for about 20, 30 minutes, we were getting popped in the midfield mm-hmm. and how um, Barnsley kept getting in behind our, our, our double pivot. Um, Rice, Declan Rice, a lot of noise has been made about Declan Rice. Um, yeah. Or a player of his ilk. What do you think, do you think that sort of overrunning in midfield will be curbed by like, introducing a player like Declan Rice into that midfield? And also, I just want to say, do you think that there could possibly be some downsides to including him rather than one of the other two? I think that's very important to touch on. Including him in rather than uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, to to start off with that point, I I don't think that there's a there's a massive downside okay. into into not including one of Ross Barkley or or Kovacic if it's for Rice. Main reason being, I think what Rice does, I don't think any of them have that in their game. So so in terms of reading danger, I think Rice is very good at that. I think. Strong in the tackle, Kovacic is is quite strong in his tackle. But in terms of getting the tackle right and and you know, like one hundred percent going through a man, mm-hmm. I think I think Rice is definitely better than both of them in that in in terms of that as well. Okay. De- defensively, Rice is good. We I think I don't think many would object to that in terms okay. of like what, like one v one against someone in like winning his jewels, his ground jewels. I think he wins those. But okay. I do agree. Obviously, we are going to lose something with somebody like Rice at the anchor in terms of on the ball, I don't think we're going to be... Like, that one-touch play that you get from Jorginho, I don't expect to see that from Rice. I don't expect to see him 
probably Jorginho play out. Of I was going to say, even so, even, just regardless of Jorginho, you put Jorginho yeah. aside because even even like yesterday, um, a lot of things that did impress me. So, in regards to, I guess, the defensive phase, it wasn't really impressive for me. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to the progressive phase and when it comes to building, and as, especially the offensive side from Ross Barkley in particular, and, and Kovacic to a degree, I think Kovacic was slightly sloppy for me. Um, but in the, uh, um, I guess in progression and ball, ball progression, um, I guess what I'm asking is, if you put in um, a Declan Rice for Ross Barkley, because Ross Barkley, again, in progression, was very, very, very instrumental. Yeah. Instrumental yeah. for us progressing and getting up the pitch. Um, yeah. because Kovacic, I wouldn't say he was getting like out crowd, like overcrowded, but because Kovacic is very good at moving with the ball and moving mm. like creating space for others, Barkley's able to then drop in and pay the first time pass that gets us out of the press. Yeah, if you include the Declan Rice, you think you could still get that same fluidity this, in the progression of play? That's that's the thing, I, I don't think it would be. I, I don't think it will be as fluid as, as what it is with Barkley, mm. but I'm I'm willing to compromise some of that for that defensive for, Can I come for in? some of that defensive now. So wait, so are we all in agreement that Kante is probably starting? Yes. Yeah. Everyone's fit. Yes. Yeah. So if Kante's starting when everyone's fit, then it leaves us an attacking midfielder. Right. So then, where does right like that? If you're bringing in Rice and you're bringing him to the start, are you saying Kante and Rice is your double pivot? See, if, if I yeah, if I had to pick a double pivot, like pro- I probably would go for that. And that's no slight. That's no slight on Kovacic. It's just that right now, okay. what we struggle with. I, I, the thing about the transition thing is very interesting for me because I don't think there are many players that can control. Like, it's very hard to get that situation under control in terms yeah. of when teams are in transition. I don't think, like, you could... If Kante can't do it, yeah, mm-hmm. then you ask yourself the question, like, right. what players are out there that probably do kind of stop, stop a lot of these attacks from happening? Because there is, there is positional play, which is obviously key for players that um, kind, of, kind of, like, stop that. Obviously, Makalele was, like, one of the ones that was very good at... Without having to run anywhere, he would get in between, in between the lines, he would like cut out passing lanes and stuff like that but that's not necessarily in transition I've got, I've got a couple of questions I've got a couple of questions before, you, before, you, before, you, before you get in there Dan, I've got a couple yeah. questions um, because again this is um, this is Jay rooting for Rice and that's fine I have no problem with Beckham Rice I think he's a good lad I think he's he's very good defensively um, very good very good defensively but um, so uh, like what Dan was alluding to, obviously, when you're including Declan Rice and N'Golo Kante, yeah. one thing that Kante is, he's sensational winning the ball back, sensational defensively, sensational when it comes to reading danger. Incredible. Um, transition isn't necessarily the, the issue in this regard. We're talking about progressing play now. So mm. if you include N'Golo Kante and Declan Rice together, who's going to be the one to progress? Because Kante is more progressive with his dribbles and carries rather than passing. 100. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. Declan Rice isn't a progressive passer. Generally speaking, I've, I've seen him enough for England, seen him enough for West Ham. What he has improved on, and I can say, if you're going to say he's got scope for improvement um, and he could potentially get better, I'll agree in regards to getting a ball and snapping it quickly. 
and just getting rid quickly, get the ball recover and then get rid. That potentially could be a positive rather than dawdling on the ball and taking time. But if you're not necessarily a progressive passer, brave, and you like to break lines, it could be problematic for us because you have to, with those passes in those phases, especially when one touch, quick one touch, two touch passes, you're supposed to be breaking the lines. So getting it to your attack or to your number 10 as quickly as possible. If you're not the type to do that, your number 10 or your offensive players may struggle to get the ball, may struggle to influence play. So, again, so I'll go back to you in regards yeah. to Beckham Rice and Kante. Would your midfield composition really be that, knowing that you could struggle potentially in, in progression? My, my, mine still would be, but to be honest with you, mine still would be, especially because of as well the, the, the three that you'd have in front of them two. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that Rice, I don't think Rice is like that bad on the ball in terms of, I think, like you said, I think there is scope for improvement. But I also think it will just be a thing where it's, it's not as fluid as it, if, as, as it is with someone like Barkley or even starting deeper with someone like Jorginho. It's not as fluid as them lot. But Rice will still get the ball to the players that we need to get it to. Can, can I cross-examine the witness? Can I cross-examine the witness? Go, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. All right, cool. So your whole thing of putting Declan Rice and Kante together is you're worried about transition, so you want to put as many type of players that can stop players because we conceded a lot of transitions and we was at, I think, eight. We conceded the most goals by a transition in the Premier League last season, apparently. And that's what you're worried about. And you kind of want two players that are fast, that can tackle people. To Just are strong them. in the tackle, yeah. That may, right, right, I think right. For me, when, when, it, when it's 1v1 with my two centre mids that are in that pivot, Right. Who's coming out on top? Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying fair. because right now we're second best every single okay. time. Yeah, I get that. Apart right. from Kante, that's statistically, fair. Statistically, as well, um, Kovacic is one of the best tacklers, like in terms of tackling. I know that's statistics, I know that's not eye test, but I just put it out there. But also, don't you think we'll be more vulnerable to the transition without pos- possession players in midfield? So if you've got, with progression, like, when you kind of pass the ball up and you're capable of passing the ball up, you're more likely to keep the ball. When you've got players like Kante and Rice who probably can't, like, even if when they hit it, it's more like 50-50 balls up that might not come to us. Don't mm-hmm. you think we'll be more, even more vulnerable to transition because we can't keep the ball as much? I've got one. Well, before before Jay, Jay, you go in, I'm going to go on your side a little bit and defend you a little bit. When it comes to progressive passes, again... Kovacic, for me, isn't necessarily a progressive passer. I yeah, think yeah. Kovacic is more of a progressive dribbler, like, like Kante. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, could, I can understand why Jay would still... It wouldn't be a thing where... But, but, but my, my thing isn't about Kovacic. My thing is about Kante and Declan Rice in midfield. Right. No, no, no. So that, That's what I'm getting to. So even if you're going to include uh, a Kovacic, for example, or a Kovacic and, um, a Kovacic and um, Declan Rice... You're still, you still may suffer from the progressive passing and breaking the lines. Agreed, but that's why so, I, would, I, I wouldn't do a Kovacic in that. Right, right, so you'd probably do a Jorginho on Kovacic. I just, I need a, I need the passer in there. You've heard you, me say. Okay, it so that's what I'm saying. So you need a passer right. with a defensive-minded player. Yeah, because so, but ideally you'd like, because for me, ideally I'd like a defensive player. So a, 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 a player in. I guess the defensive mold of a Declan Rice, but also has the capacity to progress oh, play. You know what I mean? So here's what I want. Talk, so when people I, talk, so when people talk about Declan Rice, 
I think you need to look at it holistically and look at everything he could bring. I obviously completely understand and recognise what he can do defensively or what he can bring defensively. But you need to recognise the downside, the potential downsides, and if there are any other options that could probably alleviate some of those downsides, you should probably explore them. You know what I mean? So that, that, that's where I'm coming from, really and truly. Okay, so, and, then, and then Jay, so you've heard kind of what I've said in terms of my thing is I like a, a progressive or a possession type player. Yeah. If we're playing a double pivot, because when you're playing a double pivot and you've got attacking players, what it means is that your midfield might get overloaded in the midfield battle. So like to have two players that can't keep the ball as much, that, that to me spells that we're going to lose the ball a lot and the ball's not always going to come to us and we're going to get caught in transition. So mm. how do you kind of respond to that? My thing is, I don't know how, I wouldn't say bad because I don't think you guys think Declan Rice or Kante are bad on the ball. I don't think you think that. I don't think, no. I don't think you think even like in terms of, you just feel like there's, there's, there's better people that can progress to play better. No, no. In no, a no, better way, right? No, my no. thing is when you watch the Bayern match, we had Kovacic and Kante. So, like, I, me personally, I don't even like Kovacic and Kante because I mm-hmm. feel like they can't hold the ball. Southern California is synonymous with driving. And since you can expect to put a lot of miles on your car each day, MPGs matter. So Toyota offers a full line of fuel-efficient hybrid cars. Leading the way is, of course, the groundbreaking Prius. But Toyota doesn't stop there. Their hybrid lineup also includes the reliable Camry Hybrid, the sporty RAV4 Hybrid, and the spacious Highlander Hybrid, which means less time at the gas station and more thought to the environment. Visit buyatoyota.com to learn more. Your Southern California Toyota dealers make it easy. Toyota, let's go places. And what happened in that? When you advance science, you advance society. The American Association for the Advancement of Science is the leading voice for science professionals and advocates, supporting research, education, and outreach. Join us. Click the ad or visit AAAS.org. Biomatches, because they're not really good at progressing the ball out together, like, yeah, they're not bad on the ball. That doesn't make them experts in progression. What happens is we can't get the ball out. And that kind of, especially with, with bigger teams, what that means is they can camp us in. And what, with smaller teams, what it just means is that we're more likely to um, lose the ball and more and have more transitions. Yeah. I, I feel like with, for me, though, um, again, because both of them aren't actually passers. Again, Kovacic is exceptional when it comes to carrying it. Kante is very, very good when it comes to carrying it at speed up the pitch. When you don't have... Uh, I feel like, like Kante and Kovacic are both very good at one touch. Very, very good at one touch. They have no problem with that. But it's one touch and getting the ball up the pitch rather than one touch in between themselves. And obviously, when you keep it in a certain area, a certain zone for a prolonged period of time, it becomes very easy for you to be pressed. It's and right that's what happens people. often. You know what I mean? That's what happens often, especially at the buying game, where you're rotating it around the middle and you're dribbling it around the middle, you can easily be pressed. And that's what happened a number of, a number of times. So if you don't have a passer in there or someone that is brave enough to, to take the ball on and pass it at speed, it you know what I mean? Pass it at speed, give it, go, move, rotate, swivel around, get the ball, calm down, pass. If you haven't got that character in there, it can become very, very problematic. I remember... Uh, um, Cesc Fabregas, for example, I think Fabregas wasn't playing for a number of uh, number of time, like moments under under um, Conte in the first season. In our first season, we won the title. Cesc Fabregas used to come on 
and settle the whole game down. And that's not because he's incredible defensively. No, it's because positionally, when it comes to dropping off and getting the ball into space and passing it and calming his teammates down, if yeah. we don't have that presence in there, things can get very, very messy. Yeah. So I, I, whilst I understand the, the clamour to, to recuperate funds and sell Jorginho, etc., and Jorginho has been linked with Arsenal recently to, as today, I think it's very, very important. If, if we do sell Jorginho, it's very, very important for us to get yeah. passer in. And I think that's probably why I was stressing so much that Chelsea should really be looking at a Thiago because Thiago gives you everything. He gives you the passing. He gives yeah. the composure. He gives the defensive side as well. And he's stationed centrally and he doesn't really move from there. So I feel like, again, with Declan Rice, I hear your argument. I do hear your argument. My, my, thing, was, my thing I think is going to happen I think if the signing does happen, mm. I think a lot of the patterns of play that you'll see in the Chelsea team, especially with Ziyech, especially with Havertz, and, and you've seen it a lot with Havertz already. Mm. And he's not even at his, at his fittest state yet. But I think when he's fitter as well, I think you're going to see him pretty much everywhere. Okay. The guy just likes to get touches on the ball. He loves, he loves to be on the end of things, but he also likes the odd touches here and there, in, mm. like to get on the ball, drop deep, get in the ball. Ziyech lo loves to drop deep sometimes, get on the ball because he just can't help it. He's a playmaker. He loves to do that. But what one thing I will, I, I will say is that I noticed against Barnsley as well with Thiago Silva, mm. they tried to drop very deep to get the ball and Thiago Silva was fuming. He told mm. him to move. He didn't want them in his space. Yeah. And that's something that we used to have with Louise and we don't have anymore. Yeah. But getting Thiago Silva back in, I think you're going to see as well, a little bit more of a, of, of progressive play from from him. I see Although, it. I see it. I see it. Even with some like two players like Kante and Declan Rice, if you have someone as I know Thiago Silva's only here for a year, possibly an, an, another year after that. But if you look at your 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 centre back coming in coming in a, as as a mold like that as well, in terms of like a decent ball player on the ball that can progress it, that can progress centre back. You know, I listen. I, I listened to the. Sorry to cut you off. I listened to the latest Touchy Gooners, and they was just talking about how they have David Luiz, but it's not enough in terms of progression. And like, mm. yeah, Thiago Silva. I I don't know him that well, but from what I've seen, I don't think he can be a playmaker from the back like a David Luiz. I, I'll tell you He's right now. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Let me. I'll say one. I just want to say this. Yeah, you're terribly wrong. <laughs> let me. Okay, so, so, just Let me finish. I'm not saying that he's not good on the ball, but I just feel like David Luiz is a, almost like a playmaker in the back line. I don't think that Thiago Silva will do that. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll put my hands up if I'm wrong. But yeah. what, what I'll say is, even with a Thiago Silva at the back, that doesn't fill me with enough confidence. I do think that we are going to see it. Jay, you're right. I, I think Rice is coming. Um, my thing is, there's a lot of things that, Lampard has planned that he's kind of seen and then decided actually that doesn't work. So it's not necessarily what we're going to see, it's what's going to be continue, what's going to be the winning thing, it's what is actually going to actually going to work. So look, I'm with you, Rice is coming and we'd probably see Rice and Kante. What I'm trying to forecast is, is that going to last the test of time? Um, yeah. And that's kind of where I'm. Um, the thing I'm is, at. as well, what we don't know is as well. What style does Lampard want? Because we want to see maybe us keep the ball a little bit more, a little bit more fluid play in the middle in terms of playing playing out of a press and stuff like that. But with Lampard, I think Lampard might want mm -hmm. more of a direct 
Uh, I, no, I feel like for me, I feel like for me, the best sides are able to do both. And I exactly. feel like if you're if you're if you're more wedded to one style of play or one facet of attacking play, you're in big trouble because mm. the game won't go to plan all the time. So if you're able right. to adapt in game and you have the players to adapt in game, it becomes easier. Because but then he has, but then he has Kovacic and he has Ross Barkley. No, 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 but I'm saying, I'm so saying, if your basis it. that if, without making actual necessary personnel changes, if you have the capacity to change your style with your eleven on the pitch, it makes okay. you a far more well versed and dangerous team. You get mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. If, you, if they if they know that the only way that you can play is in transition, they'll press you to death. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll press you to death. If they know that you can't progress. You'll be pressed to death. If they know that you are very good at progressing, but also very good at counter pressing, counter attacking, then they're gonna. Ha- it's gonna be very, very difficult for them to to um to manage a game. It's just like Liverpool, for example, and we'll touch on the Liverpool um, yeah, performance later on. But Liverpool are, were very comfortable dropping deep mm-hmm. and playing transition. They were very comfortable being the aggressor and progressive and pressing us because they had the quality to do so. Because they had the, they're able to do both. And not just because of their personnel, but it's generally because of their manager's philosophy and their patterns of play and how they use the attack. And, now, and, and just to go back to the Barnsley game, because I thought we'd yeah, digress yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk yeah, about yeah. a couple of performances. Um, Tammy Abraham, you guys know that I'm, I'm definitely haven't been his, his biggest fan for quite some time. Um, and that's not because of any particular reason. I just didn't think he was... Um, or don't really think he's of the level to lead the line for us. That being said, I give credit where it's absolutely due, and I think he was superb, superb against Barnsley. And I know people are going to say, oh, it's only Barnsley and that's his level, blah, blah, blah. No. For me, what I saw was not just the work rate and the endeavour that I, I, I think is critical for your, your strikers to have, really and truly, but it was the softer stuff that impressed me a lot. So the link-up, the, it wasn't even the okay. So link up the wrong word. I think the one touch passing to get other people in and the spectacle awareness of people around him was mm. very very impressive. Very yeah. very impressive. I don't yeah. think his hold up play is particularly great. I think he's only what twenty two, so I think he's still got about two three years of really learning and filling out his body and learning his body. But when it comes to the the one touch play and the the quick and the one incisive, you know. Knowing where his players are, knowing what, what's around him, who's around him, yeah, superb. I think for the first goal, the Havertz goal, people say, Oh, yeah, Mason Mount assists, cool. But that goal's all Tammy, that goal's all Tammy, and that's because Tammy is fully aware of Kai Havertz, fully aware of Havertz's movement and where he's moving to, and he doesn't disturb the play. You know what I mean? I feel like it's funny because a couple of moments before the, the, the Havertz goal, um, Hudson Odoi was bombing down the right hand side. And Mason Mount was behind um, Tammy. And Cho tried to pick out Mason Mount. But Tammy stopped it. And Tammy and, um, and Cho and um, Mason were like, oh, Tammy, I heard it. Because obviously there's no fans. So you hear, you hear the, play, the players' reactions. Yeah. I found it very, very interesting. After that moment, it's almost like he's flipped into a mode or he just started to do the flicks and started to do the, you know, yeah. the passing off and the, the dropping offs. So, yes. very, very impressive, really and truly. Very but, impressive. Um, Dan, what did you think yeah. of Tammy's performance? So, I remember earlier on pre-season, um, Lampard's first season, um, we, did, we haven't really seen it much, but um, if you remember pre-season, we saw Tammy and Batshuayi 
played mm. together as a two. And I like the link up between Tammy and Bats, specifically from Tammy's side, because I think Batshuayi was a bit more selfish. Mm-hmm. He was a bit more, let me just try and get in the team. But ta- I think Tammy has shown that he's got a good link up ability, even with Mason Mount. Now, I know that Mason Mount played where Havertz was playing um, yesterday for, for the majority of last season. But I don't think Mason Mount capitalised on the amount of type of link-up touches that Tammy has. I think he's really good. As you said, he's really aware. Mm. And I think that with Havertz behind him specifically, I think he can eat with Tammy around. As you said, in a couple of goals, you see Tammy looking around before he gets the ball to see where Havertz is to kind of drop those passes. Like, he was phenomenal in most of it. He was leading the charge on the press a lot of the time. Obviously, he got the, the assist. That ghost assist, it's, it's criminal that he's not going to get an assist for that. That's the thing. That's it's the thing. Criminal. So, you see with football, yeah? Are people going to be talking about, oh, yeah, assist, blah, blah, blah. It's criminal. But when you watch the game, yeah, and you recognise that that pass was a nothing pass, really, and true. It was just a pass into Tammy. Yeah. But Tammy made it into something. So that is quality. That, so that's... that's yeah, I mean that's quality. He doesn't get a pre-assist. He doesn't. No, get he won't get anything for that. He, he won't get, get anything, anything for that. But, that. but if you if you recognise football and you watch football, you will recognise that that was brilliant from Tammy Abraham. Amazing. You know I mean? And so, and and the first goal because I think he scored the first goal. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of if you remember again, take your minds back to last season when we played Man United and before we lost four 0 or four one whatever. But before that happened, uh, Tammy hit the post. Yeah. And it, kind of, it dropped to him. And Tammy, I think his super skill um, is when it drops to him in and around the box, very quickly, when he doesn't have to think, he's amazing. Like the Southampton goal last season, when yeah. Hunter pull it over, very quickly, it, he's amazing in those situations where he doesn't have to think. And I've, I think- I've always looked at Tammy Abraham as an instinctive striker. It's one of those things where I feel like it's a lot more difficult to have time as a striker. And I think, especially in the t- at the top level, I think it's a lot more difficult to have time. And I think the very, very top and the very, very best generally, perf- like, you could tell that they're good because if they've got time, they, you know yeah. that they're, 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 they're bagging. You know what I mean? You know they're bagging. Whereas Tammy, I feel like Tammy is one of those strikers where if he doesn't have, if he doesn't have to think and it's very instinctive, He's very sharp in that regard. You know yeah. what I mean? He's very, very sharp in that regard. Okay, I need to get my shot off. Boom. He gets it. And he's got no time to do it. I think he's very, very good. If he has time, he'll take the extra touch. He probably might... And then it just start, you start thinking, oh, okay, he's not one yeah. of them ones. You know what I mean? Maybe, so Maybe the demons start coming in and he starts overthinking it. Yeah. I remember oh, it was against Liverpool. There, uh, there, yeah. was a, there was a chance against Liverpool last season where he was put through 1v1. He had all the time in the world. And you just hit it straight at Allison, And you just... It's just one of those things. I think he's just one of yeah. those strikers. And I think, again, I, I, I'm almost a bit of a Kovacic situation here where I, I'm going to start looking at Tammy Abraham for what he can do rather than what I, I want from a striker in terms of my perfect striker. Because no, perf- no player's perfect, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm going to start assessing Tammy more in a sense of, okay, Tammy can do X, Y, Z. Exactly. I'm gonna gauge him against X, Y, Z. You know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. But from and what I saw yesterday, he, he was superb. And that that skill is invaluable to be that deadly in a in a split second because mm. as a striker, you don't get much time in the box. Don't mm. forget, you're gonna be hunted down. And I think yesterday we saw a high press played. A lot of our goals actually came from us My winning God. the ball quite. And and Tammy in that situation sick. But also when we're thinking about how Tammy needs, well, in fact, Tammy does well in those split seconds. And then you think about when he's got more time, he might struggle. 
Havertz, I know, I know we'll come on to it later. We saw his video after the game when he was like, come Ice on. Cold. Ice cold. Like, he, he's not phased by pressure. He's not phased by time. He wants time, you know what I mean? So Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So, again, if you're going to swap roles, yeah? So, imagine Havertz is the player that leaves the ball to run on for Tammy, yeah? In that 1v1 situation, yeah. I'm not entirely confident that yeah. Tammy will tuck it. Exactly. Kai Havertz, I knew he's tucking. I exactly. knew when he was in, I knew he was tucking because yeah. the way that he composes himself, it's not erratic. His movement, his body shape is never erratic when it comes to finishing. It's very, very calculated, very, very composed. Yeah. So the way he moves his body shape, you knew he's slotting it. You knew he was slotting it bottom corner. There was not no just, lashing. There was no lashing. There was no slapping it. He just knew. Caress that into the bottom and, corner. And not even just body, body shape. If you watch him, like, after watching him for a few times, like especially just like highlights, etc., when he receives the ball, he deliberately receives it on his weaker foot mm. so that he can trigger with his stronger foot. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of times you'll see him, he'll receive the ball on his right just so that it's an easy, nice, calm finish. He's so unfazed. It's amazing. Yeah. And, like, and like I was saying with the Tammy and Mount thing, I think Tammy has great link up with the players around him. But I think with Mount again, sometimes because Mount is such an energetic player and he's thinking that, 500 miles per hour. Yeah. Whereas Havertz is so cool, no matter what. Composed, yeah. He's so composed. So yeah. we're, we're back back to Tammy just briefly because mm-hmm. um, myself and Jay talked about him in regards to his anticipation in the box. Now, mm. one thing that we could give him complete juice is his sharpness when it comes to the ball falling to him and you've got a moment to react. One thing that I guess we can you know, we've been waxing lyrical about his performance, but one thing we feel that he can possibly improve, Jay, is um, his timing of the runs when it comes to yeah. crosses and anticipation. Yeah, like, it's, not, it's, not, it's not just something that we saw against Barnsley last night. It's something that we've seen as a pattern throughout last season. Uh, 100%. What, what are your thoughts, bro? Like, I think, again, just to touch on what you guys said, I think he was amazing yesterday. I do agree that, like, one of the most impressive things about his game yesterday was the fact that he was so aware of the players around him and who was coming onto the ball when he did when he did try his little flicks and tricks and stuff like that. Mm. And it was just good to see it all come off for him because I know obviously Werner coming in and stuff like that. He's 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 probably starting to like understand like yo this is gonna be this ain't, this isn't gonna be so straightforward. Mm. I need to have you know competition, so I need to pull my finger out. And he's and he started the season off good again, so I'm I'm, I'm very happy for him in, in regards to that. But in terms of that second part, that second bit of play, what strikers need to probably have in their locker is to be in the right place at the right time rather than be just about in the right place at the right time. And I feel like Tammy's, Tammy's had that kind of theme going now for like, I'd say, not, I wouldn't say at the beginning of the season because at the beginning of the season, he looked to, he looked to have it in his, in his bag. But then, I don't know, like as the season went on, as it, as it progressed, I started to see a lot of crosses coming in flashing across the box and Tammy's sliding, falling over, just yeah. about getting his toe to it. To, be, to, be, to be fair, even I think even when he was hitting his goals, um I remember there was there was two there was so many games where I feel like he was always just slightly late to a chance. Like, yeah, had, like, I remember the matches against against again against Liverpool. I remember in the Super Cup as well against Liverpool in the Premier League game against Liverpool. Um Norwich, he had opportunities, and even when he scored, he scored the goals against Norwich. But again, in those, in regards to the crosses and the timing and just the the sharp movement to get the ball and the anticipation of where the ball's going to be and bounce, Tammy's definitely that's probably his 
I think his biggest weakness in and around the box, in my my personal opinion. Um, yeah, like because but, I think it's like there's going to be games where he doesn't get. Obviously, Barnsley was a was a lesser opposition, but he's done it against against decent teams as well. But in terms of the goals that he scores, there's going to be a lot of tight games where we might not get chances like that, and and it might only be that one chance that you get where it flashes across the box. Yeah. And I just want him to become that guy that I know. If the ball's coming across, like Giroud, if the ball's going across that goal, you know, I'm always, I'm almost a hundred percent that Giroud is going to be getting onto the end of it. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? And Giroud but may not score, but he will flick it onto someone else that's behind something. him potentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like with Tammy, he's just nowhere near. Like yeah. most of the time, he's just about. Yeah. Oh, well, that's we're not gonna. Talk too much on that because it's uh, obviously after after yeah. such a great performance, after such a great performance, uh, we don't want to end it too much on. Uh, no, of course, but he, he was amazing yesterday. But, yeah, um, another person that was pretty amazing. I think we already touched him a little bit. Kai Havertz got a hat trick yesterday, first pro- professional hat trick um, in it. Well, in his career, um, let alone in England. I think it was off his third game. Um, a lot of people said, yeah, he was, he was superb, sensational. Dan, what do you think of his performance? Because for me personally, I wouldn't say that it was a, 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 you know, an amazing game. I thought he was super impressive. I thought I was just super impressed rather than thinking this was an amazing 10 out of 10 performance. I was just very impressed at just the overall feeling of quality when I watched him. What did you think? I was, I was impressed with his tenacity mostly this game. Um, and for obviously we've had Mount play number 10 and one of the reasons why he's undroppable is because he always gives you that tenacity Mm -hmm. and as much as Havertz won't give you as many pressures as Mason Mount I I thought like actually he won quite a lot of tackles even if it was in slow motion some of them he would win the tackles but he won a lot of tackles Uh, I'm talking about tackles high tackles low Everywhere. It's interesting. With, with Kai Havertz, I feel like, in fact, let's put it like this. Because you're pressing and because you're running at such a... Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio keto-friendly bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Speed. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Press. You are far less in control when it comes to actually making a tackle. Mm. Kai Havertz's pressing was a lot more measured and a lot more controlled. Therefore, when it comes to slowing down and decelerating and getting a tackle in, he was far more able. So winning the ball back, for example. So winning the ball back. Remember um, Mount's first goal against Leicester? Mm. Yeah. He was he pressed onto Ndidi, but I think Ndidi was turned away from him. So he, he caught him on the blind eye, right? Mm. And he Started into him, won the ball back and yeah. scored. Whereas Kai Havertz, he, uh, especially for um, for Barkley's goal, for example, 
when it came to that press, he pressed, but it wasn't at full tilt. He didn't dart in at full speed, but he ran and almost circled back. So because he wasn't running too fast, he circled back and then managed to get the tackle in and nick the ball away. So that sort of pre- there's different styles and different types yeah. of press. And, I think, and, and I, think I think his way is a little bit more measured rather than yeah, but, but high intensity. I think that he's just got long legs. Yeah. So where like people think the ball's protected, they're surprised that he's able to get the ball from them. Yeah. And so so like yeah, not just the the one that he done for Barkley to win the goal. He likes to engage, so he can go body to body with people and then win the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's scrappy. He doesn't give up. He looks like someone that should give up, like doesn't want combat. But he's got he's got that tenacity. And so I think that's I think where the, most that I think that's where the Mesut Ozil comparatives yeah. kind of fall down because yeah. he's completely different in regards to the work rate. I think that's not to say Mesut Ozil's lazy. I don't think so at all. But when it comes to that level of tenacity, I think that's where the, the comparisons, I guess the language style kind right. of goes awry. Exactly. Because he's, no, it's it's language tenacity. It's language. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, a mix, it's a mix of it. Because like I said before, like he's mad calm. Just the, the coolest, calmest dude, like yeah. And, yeah, and so like when um I remember when obviously he scored the goal just before Lampard was trying to take him off. Mm. Um and so like obviously he scored his hat trick goal and Lampard I saw the kind of camera pan to Lampard. Is that I've gonna take him off? No, but I saw Lampard with the biggest smile on his face mm. and it was pointing to Chihuahua who's coming on and it just looked like oh yes, we've got our player, we've got our worldy. Look yeah. what we've got. So, like, yeah, yeah, he's got the class, but also it's good that he's not a luxury player. No. Um, and, and I think just more than anything, as a finisher, oh, I'm, I'm, that's what I want to see. And, yeah. like, if you're asking me about Havertz, yeah, like Jay said earlier, he will kind of drop deep. However, him having the option to drop deep is different from him having to drop deep. And I feel like what Havertz should be concentrated on doing is what we saw him yesterday, and that's finding spaces, exploiting spaces left by the opposition, getting into those positions, following up Tammy to get in positions to finish. Yeah, Jay, what did you think of the performance from Kai Havertz yesterday? Yeah, again, I think I definitely think there's much more to come from him, which is scary because, like, I know even though it was even though it was Barnsley, I just. I look at the class sometimes and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like some of the one-touch passing, like some of the just touches, delay, the sets for players, is, is oh, man. His, his no. class is ridiculous. But what I, the, the first thing I want to touch on is, is, I think it was like in the first five minutes when Hudson had his chance and he flicked yeah. it around the player and he just like, yeah. just with ease, like the decision yeah, was just perfect. He just, just played it right into his path. Obviously, Hudson should have done a little bit better, but, you know, early, early doors as well in the game, so I'm not surprised. But, um, yeah, like Havertz, I think I love the fact that he relishes the challenge of the Premier League in terms of English football, a little bit of hustle and bustle. Like, he wants to get it into his game as well. It looks mm-hmm. like even if it's not something naturally that he does, he's willing to add it to his game, which mm-hmm. is, I think, that's banging to see for Chelsea fans because I think people thought he might have been a little bit of a walkover. And mm-hmm. he's definitely not a walkover. Like, if you do Dally with that ball... Is it? It is interesting because you look at Havertz and you think you you do naturally think luxury 
I feel like a lot of people. I remember people trying to compare him to Deli Ali and saying, "Oh yeah, he's a he's a Deli Ali type player. Like he can't really do certain things in midfield." Like oh, Deli's worse than the ball, bro. I, I was know. like, okay. Yeah. When people made that comparison, I I I get it in the sense that yeah. in the final third in the box, not even the final third, but in the box, you Off can come ball, alive. Yeah. I get that. But again, that's where the comparisons end. That the, the the kid's different. Like he's different in terms of everything he does, technical execution, class, one touch passing, easy. Like it, everything is very, very silky and smooth. I felt when I was watching, I felt like it was velvet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything was very, very smooth. Everything was very measured. Everything was just like cut like to precision. You know what I mean? It falls into that category of like gifted, because you can see yeah. it. Like there, there's they're fizzing the ball into him and his touch is just like immaculate, bro. Like, I think, like... I think, I think um, just the general theme of Havertz is unfazed by pressure or anything like that. And I, uh, we talked about Hudson and I've seen Hudson one-on-one a lot of times mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the areas he needs to improve on. Mm-hmm. But I, and after you guys were just speaking, I was thinking, okay, who else in our attack will be that unfazed one-on-one. If we think about his third goal, when it was one-on-one with the goalkeeper, he kind of tapped it around and just walked it in. Everything at his own pace, and he's so unfazed. Who out of the world? Okay, who in our club currently? Um, I don't think Werner fits that. No. You you spoke a lot about, before you started saying how, you used to say how Mount's natural natural style is like to just rush things when he gets one-on-one. Right. Already, like, Mount... Isn't that bad? Tammy's out. Tammy's out. It is pretty much Havertz, really. I think Pedro last season could have been one of them. Yeah. But he obviously is gone. So, like, that's why Havertz is so important. If you're talking about importance for us, it's like what we were talking about before. Just that moment of quality. It's just that trust. No matter whether it's a pass that's coming in too fast or whether a goalkeeper's rushing on you, he's going to have that class to say, no, cool, I've got it. It's like he's seen a lot in his life. Mm. Like he's seen a lot. It's an interesting point, to be honest, because, again, you, you could see the composure in his game generally it translates to how he's composed when it comes to finishing. So it, there's a lot to come from that guy. Very, there's a lot to come. And obviously, it's a great way to start. Three goals. I think he got an assist as well for the Barkley, that tackle. Um, so there's a lot, to, a lot to come. Now, I guess we're going to focus a little bit more on the negative aspect of our week. Um, where we disappointedly lost to Liverpool at Stamford Bridge 2-0. Uh, guys, what can we say? Um, I did a quick debrief on the Patreon um, in regards to what I felt. It was quick. It was about 40 minutes. So <laughs> it weren't quick at all, but it was thorough. You know, I just tried to make sure that I got everything in there and I don't think I left any stone unturned. So as a result, I'm probably going to speak a little bit less in regards to that. So if you guys want to hear it, then just check us out on Patreon and you can listen to that. And I guess that'll probably be a, a new feature, really, um, this coming season where we'll get debriefs myself in regards to uh, post-match debriefs and you'll get a written-up debrief from Yas um, a couple of days after. Um, so, yeah, Dan, Jay, or we'll start with Jay. Uh, what did you think of the game? Um, how did you think, in, uh, in regards to the setup? Um, how did you feel it, it looked? How how did you feel? Just the overall feeling of the game. And I guess before you saw the team lineup, did you think that is possible? And we had enough 
especially considering fit players, unfit players, etc. Do you feel like we had enough to trouble Liverpool? And were you, I guess, were you left disappointed or happy with what you saw after the game? Quickly, in terms of the result, I was I wasn't disappointed mm. because I think even if you play your 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 perfect formation, your perfect setup in terms of players, Liverpool are that good at the moment that you could still lose against Liverpool. So, mm. disappointed second game into the season, definitely not. But disappointed in the fact that it's the second game of the season, mm. and we set up in a way where we kind of didn't even give ourselves a chance to mm. create problems for Liverpool, and I think. This is a perfect opportunity. Like, I'm looking at the season, second game into the season against the champions. There's not much expectation on Chelsea like that to win the game really and truly. Do you know what I mean? Play your sharpest players. Play your players that have had good minutes leading up to the game, especially against a a side like Liverpool, who are are naturally quite fit anyway. Mm. But instead, you, you try to experiment with, you know... I wouldn't say you're experimenting with Havertz, because obviously Havertz has played in... These positions that he's played in, like that he's played him in, but in terms of the team together, in terms of what they're doing, it's an experiment essentially. And I just felt like, for me, the midfield was was there in terms of Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante. It was easy to do. They'd done well against Liverpool before, mm-hmm. and the the back line kind of you know kind of chose itself to like due to obviously Chilwell being out, Thiago Silva not being fit. Um, mm-hmm. But we did have Reese James at right back. Do you know what I mean? Like it was the, the back line was all right, and we'll touch on it later on. But the back line did very well in in that game, funnily enough. But in terms of the attack, I just felt like we didn't give ourselves the opportunity to to really go at Liverpool, and that's what disappointed me. People keep thinking of, like thinking, oh, you know, it's just about Cho playing. No, it's about having the players on the pitch. <laughs> Mm. I it's think about having the players on the pitch to actually create problems. Right. So I, I feel like that's one. That I feel, sorry, sorry to cut you, bro. Um, I feel like that's one thing I think a lot of I won't say listeners, but followers on our on our socials and I guess listeners alike um, seem to assume that it's um, all about Cho when, especially in that game um, when I guess at Brighton as well. But in actual fact, it's it's got nothing to do with Cho per se at all. Because again, it's like if you have a Christian Pulisic available, but you decide to play Mount because you think that in comes, in the, when it comes to pressing and it comes to defending um, their fullback, if you think that it's an acceptable rationale to play them over Pulisic, for example, I, I don't think anyone would say that. I think if, if, if Pulisic was to play, if Pulisic wasn't to play, for example, um, and Mount was, people would say, what the hell was going on? It's the same, it's the same principle, same methodology. Because you're looking at it and you're looking at Hudson and you're thinking, potentially, what could he bring and what dangers can he, and what, what threats can he pose? Mm. You know what I mean? Again, when it came to talking about tactical setups, when it came to talking about um, troubling teams, and I guess styles, when we talked about progressing play and how Lampard would want to set up, you shouldn't really be setting up in a way where you don't really pose an offensive threat. Mm-hmm. And I think in the, in the first half, we only had one shot, and that was a team of Werner Dribbler. Dan, what, what, what did you think of the setup, and especially the, offense, uh, the attack? And considering how isolated Kai Havertz was in the false nine, do you think mm-hmm. that was like a terrible mistake on, on Lampard's um, yeah. part? I, I'll echo both of you. Um, and definitely least listen to me to um, break down on Patreon. 
But yeah, I agree that it was so disappointing. So obviously, when the, again, when the lineup comes out, because no one expected Havertz false nine. I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. Very quickly into the game, you see Havertz um, false nine. You've got to kind of process it. You're thinking, what's going on? But apart from Havertz false nine, I think as Jay touched on it, having two players there to track their fullbacks is so, for me, mad negative. And I get that against Man City, we, we played defensive. This, this reminds me more of our setup against Man City. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that Man City, even though our, we, we have to respect Man City, we have to respect Liverpool. I think Man City are a different prospect to Liverpool. Like Jay said, we played Liverpool a few times last season and we've done well. I know, OK, you can say that William is someone that tracks back hard as well, but we've done well enough without playing so that our wingers are more there for defensive reasons than also like than attack more so than attacking season. And I just quick think that in terms of the fact that our wide forwards couldn't get close enough to Havertz to support him, that just kind of encouraged Liverpool to come forward. There was there was exactly. so easy for them because it was spread out. And so that kind of bit in the middle, it just kind of exposed it and almost invited them onto us. So there was that. But okay, we'll go into descending off and all that later. But one thing that puzzled me is if you think that Robertson and Trent needed so much care, then how comes when we go down to 10 men? Oh, well, don't worry about that. So we'll, we'll, we'll go into that. But yeah, but this is just my thinking. So I know what my, you mean. I know. This is just my thinking. But yeah. also one of the things that happened is obviously Tomori came on. And if we kind of hop back to last season, Tomori versus Salah was amazing. And I think that the fact that Fabinho played in defense was almost like I don't know if you guys know but Fabinho used to be a right back yeah. so he's not he's not he's used to tracking fast players yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. and and the fact that Fabinho was there because obviously Liverpool played Leeds I think the week before and Trent had a bad day yeah. so I think a lot of us was looking oh, Dan's internet seems so- I think it was smart from uh, Klopp to play Fabinho there but but from our point of view, and we saw with the, what eventually happened with the goal, Mane could just stand on Christian, Chris Jensen, mm-hmm. and Mane is much faster than Chris Jensen. So I think in terms of lineup, I think Klopp just completely outdone Lampard, and maybe okay. Lampard a little bit undone himself. By being I was going to say, I think it's less to do with how um, Klopp, how well Klopp set up, and tactically how well Klopp did, because I didn't really watching that game probably. A, two, three times now, I didn't ever really feel that we were outplayed at any point. I, I felt like Liverpool had a lot of the ball. Um, but that was by generally by, as a result of the fact that we had no one to hit up front. Like, we had yeah. no one to hit, not even just in terms of long balls. I don't know why we were playing a lot of long balls, but we had, we, had, we had no um, one to hit. Um, if we're going to play a target man and play, you know, play Giroud. But we had one outlet. So we had one out, exactly. We had one outlet and it's a, it was a long ball all the time, which yeah. was weird. But yeah. also, when you've got no players, I guess your wide players that aren't really posing threats, the ball's generally just going to keep coming back. Yeah. And again, it wasn't because like Liverpool were pro- like, creating wave after wave of attack. It wasn't that. The ball just kept falling back to Liverpool because we weren't looking after it at the top end of the pitch because we didn't have wingers in... We didn't have wingers playing. So again, I just want to reiterate, it has got nothing to do with, oh, Hudson has to play. No. You just need to play a team and play players that can hurt people. Like You know what I mean? I, I don't really mind if Hudson's playing or not. But you need to... You can't, for me, logically... It just didn't really make sense to play a Mason Mount 
on the wing because it just it wouldn't it you you knew that one he wouldn't be getting the ball to hurt Liverpool because he hasn't got the pace he hasn't got the trickery to hurt Liverpool um, and you knew that generally most of his game most of the game all he will be doing is chasing shadows because he'll try and press or when he can't press he's going to be chasing Robertson um, fifty yards. And that's all we really saw. We didn't actually see anything of Mason Mount. Okay. And I feel like playing him wide consistently does him as a player a complete disservice because he is so much more than that. He is so much more than, than this player that's very, very uncomfortable and just looks very out of sorts out wide. And it's just a bit, it was just a bit of a weird oh. one. Now yeah. onto, onto the, we don't, don't want to stay on that too much, but on regards, in regards to the sending off, that was a weird one because again, before that moment, Liverpool actually, funnily enough, they were pressing us for the first twenty minutes because it was very easy for them to do so because we had no outlet. Um, but Kovacic, uh, Kovacic, Jorginho, and Kante were so comfortable in possession, they were able to pop through the press, which was very very nice. But when you pop to a certain point, you need to give it to players that are able to look after the ball. You're playing it to Mason Mount, you can't look after the ball. You play it to Kai Havertz that is up against Fabinho and um, uh, Virgil van Dijk, he's going to lose the ball. Playing it to Timo Werner, who's literally trying to get in behind all the time. But again, there was nothing else there. So then when things break down, the ball's back to Liverpool again and they try to hit us on transition. So to the sending off, I think it was a set piece we had um, and we got Scott caught cold, really and truly. And, and it's almost like Liverpool were like goading us in, which is quite weird because that space was always going to be there because we do play a relatively high line. Um, people try to attribute blame onto Zuma, which I find quite strange because it just... It... I want to blame Christensen in regards to not tracking the run, but it was such a great run. It's hard to lay that much blame on Christensen. Um, again, against, the Brighton, against Brighton, we said it was fantastic. We said we're not going to get sucked in. Rightfully so, because we knew Chris Jensen will make a mistake because that's just the nature of him. It just seems like he can have fantastic moments, um, periods even, but he will always give you a mistake. Um, what did you think of... Obviously, you thought it was a red card. I think everyone could agree it was a red card. Um, but what did you think after he got sent off um, and Tomori came in? In terms of just the comparatives in, in the way that they dealt with danger and threats, how did you think? Because I, I guess it's quite difficult to compare because Chris Jensen, for half that first half, he was playing relatively deep, but then the other half was a little bit more open and there was more transitions. So how do you feel like the comparative between Tomori and Chris Jensen in regards to their performance? What do you think? Do you think Chris Jensen has now dropped down in the pecking order? Because you know Frank Lampard is quite reactive. So, what do you think, Tomori, especially for his sake and as well as the clubs, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Well, yeah, so if we remember, Tomori had one bad game after being frozen out for ages and that, that kind of got him frozen out for ages again. So, yeah, maybe um, this means that Tomori... Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online 
to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. You've worked so hard for all the things you have, the salary, the status, the success. And with that image, there's a drink, one to unwind, one to loosen up, one to take the edge off. But how do you know when a drink is more than just a drink? We get it. We can help. Karen's Grandview program has been helping accomplished people just like you regain their lives. Talk to us. Visit karen.org slash grandview. Taking over Chris Jensen in the pecking order. And we see more of him. But I just, one of the things that I alluded to earlier, I think Tomori was better built for that battle in terms of facing up against Mane and Salah. Like it's a pace battle. It's the same way that um, Klopp chose Fabinho for Werner. Um, Tomori's just better equipped. I don't necessarily blame Chris Jensen for the red card because he's just not as fast as um, Mane. Yeah, you can say, okay, if you have that class with that composure we talked about with Havertz where you don't just panic and drag him down. Yeah, you can kind of blame him for that. But I think it is weird because I think our system was to be a low block. But obviously, at a set piece, you can't, you've got you can't, a really set, yeah. you can't be, you know what I'm saying? We was attacking at a set piece. So one of the only times where we weren't having a low block, Liverpool do a ball over top. And, and this is kind of why, when we talk about Declan Rice and Kante as double pivot, it's not always going to be them there to stop it. So you can put as many kind of um, defensive players in midfield as possible. Like, you kind of have to have, I think, more fast fullbacks and more fast centre-backs. Yep. And, yeah, that, we paid. We paid for that. I think Tomori um, is that type of player, and that's why I'm happy he's staying, because Rudiger might have pace, but, again, he kind of, like, his legs looks, look mad clumsy when yep. in those situations. And yep. Tomori might have a little m- bit of mistake in him, but he's got that composure. Yep. We see him, like, he'll, he won't panic. Yep. And I think that's yep. where I like Tamori way more than I like Chris Jensen. Do you not think it's a little bit funny um, that, again, when, when it comes to talking about... Because I know that we, you said that we conceded the most goals in transition um, last mm. season, but, you know, we actually didn't really... I think when it comes to actual transitions faced, I don't think we had that many. It's just that when they did happen, they were just very, very bad in mm. terms of conceding goals. Um so again, your your pace thing, I think it's it's quite spot on. Um, I, I, you know, Jay, when it comes to Tomori, you know, I know you've been a big fan of Tomori since the moment he he got his I guess his chance to play. So, are you somewhat in in a little bit of a cynical way quite happy that Christiansen's made this error and it's kind of solidified Tomori's spot? In regards to, because you know he was linked with a loan away from Everton. Everton are actually desperate to to get him in. So, um, what are your thoughts on on this opportunity that's now arisen for Tomori? Yeah, I I am really happy that he did get the chance. I'm more, I'm I'm not obviously I'm not so happy that you know Christensen got sent off at the time, but mm. I'm happy with the the way he grabbed the opportunity when he came in. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what Dan's talking about about the pace of Tomori. I think you saw it so many times. I remember Burnley broke on us last year. And obviously there's that famous clip of Tomori running yeah. back. and, and Darting back. Had no right to make the tackle. Mm. I don't think many defenders in the Premier League make that tackle. Mm-hmm. Get back in time. And I think having somebody like that. Oh, is, well, uh, other, than, other than Tariq Lamptey. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> other than Martinelli. Remember Martinelli go against Arsenal? Yeah. Exactly. So, like, 
and that again, that was a corner again. I just feel like you can have defensive midfielders, but you've got to have fast defenders too. One hundred percent. And I think with Tomori, I'm I'm definitely glad that he took the opportunity. I think in terms of the red card, I think with Christensen, where we where we lack experience, I think something so basic when you're when you're at a corner, normally what most defensive lines do is they start from the halfway line. Yeah. So they make it difficult for the obviously for the opponent to actually make yeah. the run. He was in our he was in, in our half. half. Yeah. And Christensen didn't even bother stepping up. So to be to be fair, it wasn't just Christensen. I think Zuma as well. Exactly. Oh, and I think so that's awesome. where you might see things like Thiago Silva in terms of little little details mm. in terms of sure. what might change for us. I'm not saying it's, it's not something that's gonna happen every game, but that's just an, just one example of where we might see the experience come in. But um yeah, for Tomori, I'm I'm stoked for him that he's he's played two good games now because I think he looked really Really comfortable against Barnsley, which was expected. Yeah. I feel but, like I, we'll see. While, yeah, while, whilst I'm happy, obviously, that Tamori is back in the fold, um, it's frustrated me to no end, really and truly, as to why it's taken so long yeah, to even get back in or get reintroduced back into the fold. Um, it, it's, I think it's, I wouldn't say, I don't know the ins and outs. So I can't really say with definitive and, you know, I guess accusatory eyes, but it's been very disappointing, I guess, if nothing else has happened as to why Tomori, I guess, not necessarily treated in the way he has, but has been handled in the way he has. Because I feel like Tomori, before Rudiger got back, Tomori was a certified starter alongside Kurt Zuma. And I think sometimes in the free, they play Chris Jensen and stuff. Um, I think we we lost. I think we lost a few games. I don't remember which games exactly, um, but we lost a couple of games. And Frank Lampard, in terms of interviews, when Rudiger was out injured, used to say, "Oh yeah, we've we've done well. We've done. We, you know, we we played without our best centre back, our best centre half in Antonio Rudiger." We said a couple of times, and you know, we've got the clips to back it up. So he was like, oh, yeah, I'm playing without our best centre-back, blah, 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 blah. So already in your mind, already in his mind, he's decided that Rudiger's coming back in this team. Yeah. And regardless of how well we're doing, Rudiger's coming back in this side. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, as a result of that, Tomori suffered because Tomori was pulled out the side regardless because he was playing, fan- and despite playing fantastically, he was pulled out of the team and Rudiger started playing alongside Zuma or Rudiger and Chris Jensen. Yeah. So I think Nick, Tomori didn't play for two months, two full months before until um, a Premier League game for two months until Bournemouth away, and obviously after two months as a defender, you've got no rhythm in your game, you've got no rhythm at all. Tomori looked a bit shoddy, as expected, and this is something that we're not. It's not. It's not something that we make as an excuse for players because we've been consistent in regards to saying that players, generally players need rhythm. Players need to get some minutes in their legs, in just in their just in their back pocket, just to get familiar with playing at that level. If you're not playing at all and you just drop them in, it can be a very, very messy situation. So that's why you give almost extra credit to Tamori for performing the way he performed, considering how little football he had. So again, up and that to that point against Bournemouth, he played very very poorly. Um, I wouldn't even say very poorly. I've seen Rudiger have worse games, especially last season. But he had a poor game. I think he got taken off at, sec- at, at, um, at half time, 
and we hadn't seen Tomori since. Um, so again, so he had a two-month break or two-month off or just not playing, then had another six months um, until he played against Liverpool. I personally think that that's a, a bit of a mismanagement of on Tomori's part, but or of just Tomori, generally speaking. I understand that you may have your favourites. I understand that you might have your preferred lineup. I just don't think that it's really conducive of getting the best out of a defender when you do that. Do you know what I mean? Whilst Tomori did have a fantastic game, and I'm very happy that he did, just the reason as to the reasons as to why, or just the fact that he was out for so long, considering that you've got many games that you can rotate, I guess, to even if you you want to save your legs, the legs of your best defenders, you could drop him in on a couple of games here I and think, there. You I know? Think, so it's just poor. Really. I think what what happened with Lampard is I think he thought he could solve the defensive individuals because the period last season you kind of was referring to. It wasn't necessarily was losing, but we were conceding a lot of goals. So, like, it was 2-2 Sheffield United. It was 3-2 Norwich. And we were conceding loads of goals. And I think that what Lampard thought would be the solution is bringing individuals in. Mm. However, I think if you look at um, Arsenal, and they haven't really made that many defensive signs, but if you look how Arteta has come in, and he's made a difference by changing tactics, I think that... Um, Potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed, Anthony Barry can be that difference maker for us mm. in terms of change tactics. But I think that tomorrow we suffered because we were conceding that many goals. And I think because we were conceding, he wanted to change things and he's tried to solve it with individuals. And we saw like Chris Jensen might get the same treatment now in terms of I saw when he came off, Lampard didn't look at him, Jody Morris yeah. didn't look at him. It can be cold when you make that mistake, especially as a defender, you make a high profile mistake, it can be kind of cold. And I think that um, what Lampard should do with Chris Jensen as well is okay, maybe he we did maybe it did cost us the game. Maybe he panicked, but again, like you need these players because like just as you said with Tamori, where he was frozen out, then brought back in two months later um, to perform, it didn't help him because like the same way Giroud was brought out against West Ham all of a sudden in one game, and like my thing is yeah, Chris Jensen even if he drops down the picking order, don't completely freeze him out. Give them games as well to keep rhythm. That's how you kind of manage the squad. But yeah, definitely Tomori um, was mighty impressive. Um, and yeah, personally, I'd like to see him like being one of the, the defenders going forward. No, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. So, on to more exciting news. Um, well, actually, no. I, I do want to say one thing. So again, like you said, in regards to the decision to play you know, Mason Mount at wide, um, it was quite odd after half-time. So that red card came at um, just before half-time, which probably was the worst time to, to occur. Um, after half-time, decided to go to a, you know, bought on Tomori, which is fine, um, took off Kai Havertz. Um, left Mason Mount back on the pitch, which is fine again. But he played a 4-3-2 formation, which is odd because if the whole premise was to defend the wide players... Why would you suddenly play Mount Central for for what? It didn't really make any sense. Surely at that point in time, if you know that Liverpool's threats are out wide, you go to a back five or you at least play four 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 one. So I didn't get that. I didn't get that. So the premise of you know Mason Mount, you know he's there to look at Robertson. I don't know. Doesn't really. It kind of contradicts what 
people say in regards to that. So, yeah, it's neither here nor there. Now, on to better news, because I don't want to talk about the second goal, because you know what? You know, you know who caused the second goal. And invariably, when we watch Chelsea football matches and this person's in goal, um, you know what happens in regards to a, a goal. He will cost us a goal, regardless of whether we're playing well, regardless of whether we're winning. It will happen. Our prayers have been answered today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Edouard Mendy, six foot six, powerhouse. Um, on the Lolishon and Petacek's recommendation, the club have officially signed um, Edouard Mendy. I, for one, am delighted. Obviously, I feel like just just based off just basic stats, <laughs> people say that, or the stats say that an average goalkeeper would have performed and fared better than Kepa did. That's average. So all Edouard Mendy really needs to be is average, and he will be better than Kepa. That's how bad Kepa was. So I'm just glad that I don't have to watch him play anymore. I don't have to see his face. I don't have to see him like, trying to fake shout at defenders. I don't have to see any of that no more. I'm just so glad. Boys, what are your thoughts on the sign-in? And um, yeah. Yeah, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Jay, you want to go first? Yeah, man. I t- well, boy, I just saw that obviously Kepa's 6 1 and my man's 6 6. So automatically, surely he should reach some of these other things way, way easier than Kepa. Some of these shots that are getting, they're not even top bins. Like, they're not even like, oh, anyway, yeah, bro. Like, the, them kind of Zaha shots shouldn't be flying. So listen, I'm, I'm glad we've got a keeper. Um, I'm happy for him because his story is amazing as well. Mm. Um, and I really do hope, actually, that this is more of a, a thing where it's like they see it as good research on this keeper and, and possibly a keeper that can go on to be our number one because mm-hmm. it would be nice for it to be a thing where we haven't splashed so much money on a keeper to kind of fix the problem. We've kind of got him for a bargain fee and then, you know, we he turns out to be a keeper that we can rely on like that because that will be... Well, I wouldn't say it would be an equaliser for the amount of money we spent on Kepa because I don't think anything can fix that. But it will kind of be, uh, you know, a kind of little bit of a win for us in terms of how how cheap he is. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited that he's here and, and I hope he probably gets his first game on the weekend, really. Yeah, at £22 million, it's not like the, the biggest outlay, but Chelsea has spent £94 million now on goalkeepers over the last two seasons. So, you kind of hope that, yeah. He does bring some form of respite. And I know £72 million pounds of that relates to, to Kepa, but um, I do, we do hope that he kind of brings a, not just necessarily a super upgrade, but some competence. That's all we really need, really and truly. A solid, competent keeper. Quickly for me on it, shout out to Kepa in the last game um, against Barnsley. He made so many saves. And that just reminded me that of what a keeper's supposed... You're supposed to see a keeper's performance and say, oh, that's why I'll keep her. Yes. I don't really get that with Kepa. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I don't, I don't really get that with Kepa. And so, like, I'm hoping Edouard Mendy can bring some more of that. Um, and, and even if Kepa stays, then Kepa second. Kepa yeah, a million percent, a million percent. Okay, so on to, just finally, um, a couple of uh, transfer rumours in regards to a couple of our players, actually. So, the Aston Villa have expressed an interest in a couple of our players. In fact, uh, Ross Barkley and Loftus-Cheek. Um, just quickly, Dan, what are your thoughts on, I guess, both of them, the potential or the prospect of both of them leaving? And also, there's links with Jorginho. 
um, going to Arsenal and Callum Hudson-Odoi having an array of choices where to go in um, in the continent, like Europe. Bayern Munich, Leverkusen, uh, not Leverkusen, Bayern Munich, Leipzig and Juventus. But there's also quite a, a, couple, a host of other teams that are interested. What do you think about their prospects of leaving? Just like, I guess all of them individually. What do you think about the prospects of them leaving? Love this cheap makes sense. Euro's coming up. Um, as much as, yeah, you can say fight for your position, there's a lot of mouths to feed and he's just come back from a long injury. I think that he needs to be playing even when he's playing bad and I don't think you can get that at a competitive squad. Yeah. So I think he goes. I think that makes sense for Hudson as well. I think that, again, he's someone, I, I mentioned it a couple of times, Mount has had a season of playing regularly. Tomori has had a season of playing regularly. Tammy has, and I'm not just talking about Chelsea, I'm talking about Derby, I'm talking about Ajax, I'm, I mean, as, um, as the Villa, I'm talking about Vitesse. So I think Hudson needs that too. So I would be happy for both of them to go out on loan. Barkley just, it doesn't make any sense. Barkley is, I think, our most well-rounded midfielder in terms of um, PMP, in terms of creativity. Still to this day, when I think about players doing the through ball from deeper, I don't think there's that many players. I think in terms of link-up, what we saw against Brighton, Barkley came on and kind of changed the game. Why would you want to get rid of that? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand. Um, and I, I can't remember the rest of the players, so I'll hand over to Jay. Yeah, um, Loftus Cheek. I think after seeing the way he's been moving recently, not in terms of just performance, just in like his body, like what it looks like in terms of the sharpness and stuff like that, and explosiveness in his game and that. I don't know if he's like I don't know if he's like close to to being top top shape at the moment. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing him go on loan. Barkley, I'd probably have to concede and say like <laughs> he keeps coming in and playing well. So you know. It, it's true. What Dan said is true. As a squad player, it, it probably, in hindsight, doesn't make it doesn't make sense, in it. Like we we get the money from somewhere else if we do need it. I think we've got enough players. Um, Hudson, I just want him to stay. Um, I know I do agree though. He he needs a, a season like like a Reese James where he's he's been out on loan and got good minutes mm-hmm. elsewhere, uh, so he can show the world what he's really about. But yeah, man. Uh, apart from that, that's that's it really. Yeah, I feel like for me, um, I feel like Hudson Odoi probably needs to to go out and play. Whether that's here or not, I don't think he'll get the opportunity or fair crack at it to play. Um, so I think he might have to go out on loan. I think he definitely, if he goes to um, Bayern Munich, um, I think he'll definitely play more there than he plays here, which is quite damning. But here we are. Um, Ruben off the cheek, I think he he needs a loan, not only because of his body, um, but per- personally for me, I wanted him to stay simply because I felt like. The club knows him, knows his body, knows what, you know. Look after him properly, yeah. yeah. They know how to look after him properly, whereas other teams or other clubs may not actually have that same due care. Um, but, but you know, I mean, and in terms of Jorginho, I think if there's one place that I'd, I'd be willing to sell, one player I'd be willing to sell would be Jorginho. Um, not to fund anything, but I feel like for me personally, I've never really been comfortable with him being our DM um, because... Yeah, I think he lacks the required PNP, especially in this league, um, to really thrive and take us forward. Um, but yeah, boys, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. But I really appreciate you guys joining us. Um, if you've got any, uh, if you want to check us out on the Patreon and want to support us further, um, please check us out on Patreon um, at Chesie Hour. Um, also, we will be back next week with more news and, I guess, more discussion, hopefully. Well, I don't want to talk about Declan Rice and the prospect of Declan Rice, but hopefully we properly perform well against West Brom 
and Edouard Mendy has a blind on his debut. Um, but yeah. He done it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. European champions. Doing the most True say that money is power So when you get money Keep fighting Ghost Ghost I remember when I shot my shot But I didn't have guap So I hit the post But next time it's a golden goal and it Support for this episode Has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars If counting macros makes your head spin Count instead on a snack by Ratio They've done the math for you So you can spend less time Studying the label And more time enjoying your day Delicious and convenient. Both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio keto-friendly bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Sports Social Podcast Network.